Alright y'all Keys stay So be open minded That's why I have to say You might not like it But it's real So listen up Yo, ever since 911, it's been murder for lies. Like that yellow cake uranium to justify the presidents, the judges. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. This is episode four of the No Hope Podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley. Today, we're going to be talking about a few uh, topics. And once again, I'm going to try to. Uh, Limit the show time of 30 minutes. Um, we are going to talk about uh, three different stories, uh, news articles, so current event type stuff. The, um, the first is uh, Donald Trump in the White House canceling the annual celebration of the NFL Super Bowl champion. Um, that was supposed to happen today. It got canceled. Um, there's been a lot of news around this over the last couple of years sort of leading up to this thing um and uh this year just so happens to be the, the uh team that i root for the philadelphia eagles um so none of them are going to be at the white house today so we'll talk a little bit about that <clears throat> and uh it also connects into the sort of um black lives matter and police brutality stuff because that that's essentially what um, the players have been protesting that sort of, you know, ultimately led to, uh, to where we're at now. But we'll talk about that. Um, and I'm not sure when this happened, but I think it's pretty, like, really recently in the last week, um, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the, um, the baker, the Christian, like, bakery that didn't want to make the cake for the gay couple. And um, the third thing I want to talk about is something, uh, an article that I just saw come through, um, a friend shared on Facebook, uh, something, uh, it's uh, revisiting a uh, study um, people call the marshmallow test. <clears throat> Essentially, it's a, it was a test done, uh, you know, some research done where they put a marshmallow in front of a child and said, if you, you know, don't eat this. Um, and you can wait for, I don't know, if it's a minute or X number of minutes. Then when I come back, I'll give you two. So it was this sort of um, supposed to be a measure of the child's ability to delay gratification for sort of future reward. And then um, and and apparently then the study went as far as to sort of track the child, the children in the future and actually found uh, apparently very strong correlation between um, success and the ability to hold out and wait for the, you know, the reward of two marshmallows and not just grabbing, you know, the first one right away. <clears throat> so anyway, um, so those are the three topics here. And uh, the first, um, hold on, let me get this set up. I want to try to put a, uh, a timer up here. So that, okay, 345 in uh, roughly. Um, okay, so uh, also uh, in the news, Kate Spade, uh, the designer, I guess that makes those purses. She apparently killed herself today. Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like you think about what, uh, you know, what do you struggle with on a day to day basis? And uh, man, I mean, I feel like for most of the people I know, you know, money is the top thing. And then, you know, you sort of, you know, you see this. I mean, cl clearly Kate Spade wasn't struggling financially. And, um, you know, it just sort of uh, <clears throat> shows that, you know, maybe money isn't it. Um, but it's kind of funny that until you get it, it's just, you know, it's such a focus for, I, I, you know, I mean, I know myself, you know, I struggle with it. And, and I mean, I just feel like for most, at least most, guys i know i mean that's that's you know almost an obsessive level of focus on that so anyway um so this uh uh this nfl story here with the eagles not coming to the super bowl um uh, a bit of background uh i guess it goes back to a couple years ago there was a quarterback named colin kaepernick and he uh, decided to kneel down in support of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And um, he was kneeling during the national anthem. So I, uh, I, I don't believe that there was any official NFL policy. It may have been that they, all the players were supposed to be out there or something. But um, I always thought of it as kind of similar to um, in the Olympics when the uh, – those guys that won, I think it was in the LA Olympics. Um, uh, I could be wrong. I don't remember when it was, but there's a pretty iconic photo with the, uh, um, the U S sort of guys on the metal podium with the black gloves on their hands. And, um, you know, I guess it was like during the national anthem. And, uh, so Kaepernick, this guy kneeled for the national anthem and it became like a whole big story uh, all during that year. And, um, you know, then more players started to pick up on it. <clears throat> I think, um, at one point, the, the, uh, one team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, like didn't come out for the national anthem, except for like one player who was like ex-military or something. So, um, as you can, I mean, if you're totally, uh, oblivious to the story, you could imagine that it really, I mean, they managed to sort of get this story created or this issue, which is somehow pitting Black Lives Matter against, uh, people that support the troops. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I really think that, you know, there is some real social engineering that happens in our country that, you know, somehow miraculously, there just always seems to be this 50-50 divide between, you know, Republicans and Democrats or left and right or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to think about it. And, you know, once again, I, I mean, these these are just two, you know, independent topics. Um but now it's it's as if, you know, it the media, I mean, you can't um, take a position, for instance, um, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I, you know, I guess I have a pretty clear stance, like, clearly, I don't give a shit about the national anthem. Um, and I, uh, I mean, the 
I didn't really want to, I don't really want to get into a whole, uh, black lives matter thing because I'm, um, that is not what I was preparing to talk about, but, um, I mean, just at the high, high level, you know, black, uh, people in the United States certainly have uh, a rougher go of it, you know, all things being equal, you know, stuff's tough for them. And, um, you know, for me, I I kind of feel that, and and it's just a theory, but I I feel as though the police sort of brutality or targeting uh, is is more of a symptom of a, a sort of deeper uh, problem, and uh, you know, for me, and uh, you know, I've talked about in previous episodes, but I. You know, I believe that the war on drugs is um, a really big part of this problem. And, uh, you know, the war on drugs is a, you know, a war that targets, you know, uh, black areas, uh, you know, much more than, um, you know, sort of areas that mostly have white people in it. Um, you know, and, the, and this targeting comes in the form of just straight up violence as well as, you know, taking people and putting them in cages. And, um, you know, it's been going on long enough that you're in a second generation of it now. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really, you know, it's really bad. And um, so I do believe that there is a, uh, you know, that there is a, a sort of inordinate amount of focus on, you know, from, from, uh, police and, you know, on black people and particularly young black males. Um, you know, I think that they, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's profiling and targeting and, and they're much, you know, quicker to sort of pull the trigger and everything. Um, but, you know, as I said, uh, and, you know, I don't like I said, I mean, it's just a theory, but um, I, I think that it might be a symptom more than the problem itself. You know, the, uh, you know, so many, you know, such a disproportionate amount of the homicides in the United States are committed by, you know, this demographic of young black men that, you know, I... I, I almost think that, you know, with the police, it's sort of reactionary uh, or it could be. It could be. I mean, I, you know, this I'm not I'm not, you know, attempting to sort of prove this case. But to me, it it just starts earlier than that. You know, like what? Because, you know, why? Why are there such a disproportionate amount of homicides committed by, you know, young black men and. I mean, to me, I, I kind of point to the war on drugs. I certainly, you know, reject any like, you know, kind of racist ideas. I mean, I, I, you know, as far as, you know, stuff like genetics or DNA, like really being different. I mean, uh, as far as that, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, I try, I try to be open-minded. I mean, obviously that, that type of thinking is tough to even be open-minded enough to listen to, but, you know, I mean, I've tried a little bit and I, you know, I just feel like that 
there's just no um, real research at all to back that up. And um, anyway, I mean, I it, like I feel like there's just this this glaring, you know. Uh, elephant in the room which is like the war on drugs and just the decimation of these communities um and like i said i wasn't really thinking of talking about this uh before in um even this much detail um but i uh i believe that it's far worse today than it was you know in i don't know like the 1930s 40s 20s you know um and you know the the crazy thing is that i mean back then you know the this uh you know the civil rights movement hadn't even happened i mean you know like black people as weren't even on equal like legal footing um but somehow you know they had stronger you know, there were stronger African-American communities back then. And um, somehow, you know, despite the sort of legal, um, I don't know, uh, you know, differences or, you know, I, I don't know why I can't think of a good word for this. Um, but the basically, in, like, governmental level, federal level racism, um, you know, racist laws and stuff you know, all that stuff's gone. Um, but like, you know, things are apparently, you know, seemingly worse, you know? Um, and again, I, you know, I just, I point to the, to the war on drugs to me as, as the real big culprit. And, um, you know, it's, and it's this sort of multi-pronged problem. I mean, I think it, it, sort of it keeps alive this this racial divide because of because of these things you know it 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 sort of fuels um this kind of stuff um it you know it it uh it really um inflates the uh the the gun violence statistics in the united states greatly um you know, and, and uh, to get super conspiracy uh, theory about it, I mean, I also think that it helps fund, uh, you know, off the books sort of military and and intelligence operations, uh, you know, that they that they can't just sort of fund regularly through the defense budget. And, and I mean, they've been caught red handed before. Right. Iran Contras. I mean, that's not a conspiracy theory that just actually happened in my lifetime um and so and there's lots and lots of other whistleblowers that claim you know and and lots of other evidence pointing to this being an ongoing thing um you know this we, we you know now we we sort of moved from the crack cocaine you know 80s and 90s and that, now we're in like the opioid stuff right and and they want to attack these uh you know uh pharmaceutical companies and and i'm not saying that they're without blame but you know i mean take a look at afghanistan right like afghanistan was basically not producing heroin and uh you know we invade after 9 11 and you know now i think afghanistan produces something insane like 90 percent of the world's heroin you know that's under our control 
Um, I don't know. I don't buy that it's some sort of accident, you know. I don't buy that, oh, they bungled this operation. And so anyway, um, you know, and now, you know, now we have this this opioid, you know, heroin is, uh, you know, all the rage. And I would imagine, I mean, I'm not at the street level buying this stuff, but I would imagine heroin has become much cheaper, um, you know, and and all these other sort of opioid products are a lot easier to get than they were you know, before we invaded Afghanistan. So anyway, um, you know, I, I really feel like this war on drugs thing is, is, is at the root of it. And, um, it's, you know, I, I mean, that would be my main sort of issue with the, uh, the black lives matter, you know, and, um, and, and again, like, I don't even know. I mean, I, I feel that, this is, you know, this isn't like secret knowledge that I have. I, I just, I, I've, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like there are certain things, right? Like these, these media, you know, the big media sites, there's certain things that they will amplify and then other things that they won't. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe there was like a total huge grassroots, you know, level movement, of, you know, black people against the war on drugs and CNN was just like, we're not fucking airing this shit, you know, and then they find, oh, well, now we got this this thing that can kind of stoke the flames of racism. So, you know, let's fucking get that out there and uh, pit it against Trump and, you know, the NFL. And anyway, so, you know, that's my little little take on that. And, um, you know, as I've said before, you know, I, I am a libertarian because I believe that it's actually good for the poor and the middle class. And I think that the government in here violently regulating, um, you know, and having a prohibition on certain drugs is, you know, a massive crisis in this country. Um <clears throat> So, it, yeah, so sort of in conjunction with this Black Lives Matter thing, you know, more players began to kneel and uh, uh, and then Trump got elected. And I, you know, I think last year um, the team was the, the Patriots one. And I think that uh, he would have been in office. So I'm not sure what happened there. Um, it is kind of funny. The Patriots are sort of the whitest team in, in the, uh, NFL. So maybe, uh, there just wasn't that many guys and it just, they were going to show up. So, um, what really, what it came down to apparent, apparent, what it seems like it came down to now is less than 10 of the, the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles players were actually going to come. And I think they have like a fifth, uh, it's a 53 man roster. Plus there's a bunch of injured guys throughout the season. So, I mean, it could have been upwards of, you know, 60, <clears throat> so less than 10. So, you know, something like five out of six Eagles players were not going to come. And basically it just seems like 
Trump was just didn't want to have this like really bad looking photo op. So that got shut down. And then they <laughs> released some statement about, you know, and he's sort of blasting the, you know, the Eagles and everything, um, saying about them not standing for the anthem, which also is sort of not really true. Uh, I don't believe that the Eagles players were kneeling. I think they were doing more of the fist in the air type of thing. Um, but anyway, I, you know, it did, it did kind of remind me, uh, of something I thought about, you know, uh, was, you know, the way that these headlines sort of come across, uh, you know, CNN's headlines on here is Fox News ripped for misleading photos of Eagles players kneeling. Um, Eagles player responds to Fox News. I mean, so this is now so so CNN is like reporting on Fox News, you know, attacking, attacking them. Um uh, Trump's appalling statement on the Eagles, uh, you know, and and kind of the, the thing that I really I just wanted to say about it is <clears throat> it seems like the news is more opinion and agenda now um, than it used to be. Um, and, you know, uh, I could be true. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was always like this and I was just younger and, you know, more naive. Or maybe all of the news organizations were all in lockstep. So it sort of always seemed like the truth. And maybe now they're not in lockstep. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but I do think it's, um, you know, it's obviously been an ongoing topic for me in the podcast has been sort of making fun of CNN and you know, the, uh, their absurd sort of headlines and what they choose to report on, you know, while, uh, other actual really important events are going on. Um, but anyway, I, uh, you know, that was a, uh, I, I thought that was sort of particularly interesting. Just, uh, I, I don't know, you know, like, where's the article, like where where would you find um, an article that just sort of gave you the facts as best it could about what happened? You know, where it just says, you know, starting two years ago, Colin Kaepernick started to uh, uh, kneel during the national anthem in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. This movement sort of spread through the NFL, through players, players began in various teams, began to kneel and protest the anthem. Uh, it went as far as to an entire team didn't come out of the locker room, aside from one veteran that was on the team. Uh, and this year, uh, only less than 10 of the players, the Philadelphia Eagles, were going to come to the White House for this annual celebration. And... Uh, this represents, you know, maybe one out of six players and the White House and Donald Trump decided to cancel um, the the event. And they cited some uh, cited that, you know, that the Eagles were not the Eagles players not supporting um, the. uh 
the country and, you know, the troops because they were kneeling during the national anthem. And that actually turns out to be largely a false statement because the the Eagles had never actually been, none of the players had actually kneeled during the national anthem. Anyway, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a way to present that, right? I mean, at the end, I, I did say, hey, that, you know, they didn't actually kneel, but that's, that's still, that's fact, right? Like, that's not me really choosing a, a side in here, sort of just relaying the facts. And, um, and, I, and I realized, I mean, this actually uh, reminds me of something that uh, Mises talked about. And, um, you know, he talked about the best thing, you know, the way to show that your theory, you know, of economics or praxeology in his case, what he talked about is true is to actually predict future events, um, trying to show that your theory is proven true by past events is sort of misleading because you can always cherry pick facts and you will all like you have to sort of create a theory ahead of time to you know there's an infinite number of facts um you know data about basically anything right we talk about the great depression you know one one side says you know, the war got us out. One side says the central bank, you know, caused the Great Depression and, you know, whatever. And so, you know, the Austrians, they would focus on facts around the money supply, whereas, you know, the the other side would sort of ignore those. And so actually, ahead, before they even start their analysis, they have to decide on what they think is the correct theory. And that's why... You know, the method that the Austrians use of a priori reasoning um, is actually the way to go. So anyway, so now we're at 25 minutes and we've talked a bit about this Trump thing. And the I, I barely even talked about the idea of showing up to the White House or staying for the national anthem. I mean, you know. I know for me, I mean, obviously I'm not acting on this level, but for me, like I, when I'm at a game, I mean, I just stand up, but I, you know, like I just don't want to get like shit from people around me. And so I just stand up, you know? Um, but it does kind of feel like I'm uh, like, you know, being a liar, you know, doing that. I'm kind of a sham standing up. And, um, and I was thinking about the whole white house thing. I mean, if I was on the Eagles, I I feel like there's a good chance that I I mean putting aside the the current you know the Black Lives Matter and the implications of of Trump and going and all that stuff I just mean in like a let's just say Obama was president or I you know JFK you know, that was almost everybody seemed to like that guy um, I'd probably show up even though I'm a you know goddamn anarchist uh, just. I don't know, man, like <laughs> it it seems, you know, that my presence there or not isn't very important and I'd kind of want the experience. But, you know, maybe that's part of the problem uh, is is, uh, you know, every you know, everybody sort of looks at their own contribution as being so small and what they have to give up is so much bigger um, that we, you know, it's easy to not act. Uh, so anyway, I mean, ultimately, right. This doesn't matter. Um, it's probably good that, uh, people aren't paying homage to, you know, 
their master in the White House. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's tough because it seems it's sort of a little bit based off of this kind of sort of what I, what it seems a bit like a false or really like they're trying hard to create this narrative of, of Trump being this racist and, and branding all of Trump supporters as racist. I mean, this is just falling perfectly in line with it. Um, you know, because most of the players on the Eagles are, you know, black men, young black men. So, you know, I don't really know what I, uh, I think about it as an Eagles fan. I mean, you know, <laughs> waited or I waited my whole life to see him win the Super Bowl. You know, you kind of almost just want to see him up there in the White House. But, you know, but the fact that I'm an anarcho-capitalist and want to burn this motherfucker down. It's probably better that they didn't go. Okay, so um, let's just try to, you know, do uh, these other two things really quickly. Um, and I, I do have some pretty clear, uh, you know, and, it, you know, for me, it's not it's not like the details of the story um, as much as just the higher level sort of implications and, and how myself as a libertarian, um, you know, view this um situation but you know it's the case where a, a uh, uh, I think it might even be a couple but a, a person that owns a bakery a Christian man uh, didn't you know he refused to bake a cake for the wedding for a gay couple uh, so you know this was a big big news a while ago and the Supreme Court just ruled and they actually ruled heavily in favor of this man seven to two. The only little jab I'll take at the news is somehow they keep calling this a narrow victory, which in fact, it seems like the uh, possibly the most decisive decision uh, the Supreme Court's made <laughs> in my lifetime, right? They almost always vote along, you know, their party allegiances, but clearly seven to two, you know, they went, uh, some of them broke from that um so the reasoning here is um uh, uh, let me just say i mean i absolutely feel that anybody should be able to refuse to do something that they don't want to do i don't care if you own a business or not you know like just because i've sold a cake to somebody before does not mean that you have the right to buy a cake from me. Uh, you know, there's no moral ground to stand on for this. And, um, you know, people will say, oh, well, won't this just lead to, you know, all this racist stuff and, um, you know, and, and, and that, you know, you'll get these just sort of all white parts of town, all black parts, of, you know, whatever, only serve blacks. Only... I... I don't know. I mean, first of all, if that's what people want to do, then great. You know, if I, I mean, in my experience, most people aren't very racist, right? Like there's some fringes that are, um, but most people aren't. I mean, and this isn't, obviously this is a, a um, prejudice against uh, sexual orientation, but you know, same falling under the same category. Um, prejudiced or whatever um but it, it i just you know i think you would have a small minority of places that may sort of take that stance but 
the lion's share of business owners, I think, are just the same sort of spread of like racism as normal people. And they're just not that racist. And they're much more worried about paying their bills and selling their product than they are proving some point about their religion or something. Um, anyway, so, you know, um, but I mean, th this is like conscripting this guy's labor uh, when he doesn't want to. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, why would you want somebody to make you a cake that doesn't want to make you a cake? Like, you want to go now? You want to force them? You want to get, like, the cops to come in there? And, and like, I mean, I don't know. I Put a gun to his head and say, bake that fucking cake, you know? And if you don't, we're going to fucking put you in a goddamn cage, you know? I mean, just like get the cake from somebody else, you know, I mean, but maybe, you know, okay. So this dude, maybe he's wrong in his beliefs. I, I don't know what, but whatever, just like move on, you know, like he's not actually harming anybody. Right. He's, he's, he's not, uh, you know, doing any violence or aggression whatsoever, but now you want to aggress against him to make him act the way you want and believe and think the way you want. You know, I don't know. To me, it, it's obviously wrong. And I think that the way people can get kind of co-opted into thinking about it is kind of not really thinking deeply and uh, about how sort of um, what a minority people are that are, are that prejudiced and, um, you know, are afraid that, oh, we'll just all break off into our little, you know, factions. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if I had a, you know, a baking company, I'd bake anything if you're willing to pay, you know? Um, so the, uh, oh, the other thing too, is the, the, the other specific thing about this is, the actual decision, the reason why his his right to not bake this cake was held up was because of religious objection. And that is where I have a problem. Because why does it matter? Like, what, what if, you know, I don't want to make the cake for a gay couple um, just because, because I don't like that. I don't subscribe to a specific religion because I'm, I'm not like a card carrying Catholic or whatever. I have to bake the cake, but because this guy joins some religious organization, he doesn't have to bake the cake or, or be conscripted into labor that he doesn't want to do. Um, I mean, you know, that's awful. And, and, you know, it's, it's it sucks because I, I feel like a lot of personal liberties are protected um, by, you know, by the Supreme Court. Like the Supreme Court will actually honor them in this sort of little religious bubble. But my point is, it's just like it should be uh, extended to all human beings. right? Like the I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know how to like really expand on that point. It just seems, you know obviously wrong you know why why this special uh treatment this special privilege you know for the religious and um not for everybody you know i mean i and and i think everybody 
you know, should have the right to only use their labor when they want, you know, no slavery. So, uh, in the, um, let's jump to the last article, um, which is in, it is from the Atlantic and it is titled why rich kids are so good at the marshmallow test. Affluence, not willpower, seems to be what's behind some kids' capacity to delay gratification. So they actually say it there. That, that's actually my problem. So I, I mentioned what the marshmallow test was, the thing about delay, you know, will the kid wait a minute to get his second marshmallow? So the marshmallow, uh, well, they, they summarize it. The marshmallow test, hold on, let me drag this into a better spot. The marshmallow test is one of the most famous pieces of social science research. Put a marshmallow in front of a child. Tell her that she can have a second one if she can go 15 minutes without eating the first one and then leave the room. Whether she's patient enough to double her payout is supposedly an act indicative of a willpower that will pay dividends down the line at school and eventually at work. Passing the test to many, I promise... Passing the test is, to many, a promising signal of future success. Um, it's, but there weren't many people that took the marshmallow test. It was like one study. I, I think the ability to delay gratification is a promising signal of future success. I mean, that was the conclusion. Now, it says, but a new study published last week has cast the whole concept in doubt, into doubt. No, it didn't. The re uh, that was my interjection. Sorry, I will read this straight through. The researchers, NYU's Tyler Watts and UC Irving's Greg Duncan and Honan Kwan, restaged the classic marshmallow test, which was developed by the Stanford psychologist Walter Mischel in the 1960s. Uh, Mischel and his colleagues administered the test and then tracked how the children went on the fair later in life. They described the results in a 1990 study, which suggested that delayed gratification had huge benefits, including on, including on such measures as standardized test scores. Watts and his colleagues were skeptical of that finding. The original results were based on, all right, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, um, 90 children, all enrolled in preschool on Stanford's campus. Okay. In restaging the experiment, Watts and his colleagues thus adjusted the experiment design in important ways. The researchers used a sample that was much larger, more than 900 children, also more representative of the general population in terms of race, ethnicity, and parents' education. Okay, but now you've just introduced a bunch more variables so I don't see how this study is now better. Now it's more muddled because now you have all these different factors coming into play. The, I, would, I would argue that holding more stuff constant by trying to sort of choose children from the same sort of socioeconomic background might actually lead to uh, more useful results. I mean, it would definitely will. The researchers also, when analyzing their test results, controlled for certain factors, such as the income of a child's household, that might explain children's ability to delay gratification and their long-term success. Right. So what these guys did is in no way did they refute these findings. What they did is they just tried, they, they, their data showed some correlation between the childhood, child's socioeconomic sort of background and the ability to delay gratification. And then they make the erroneous claim 
that it is not the ability to delay gratification, but your socioeconomic background that leads to future success. I, I, it's like they did not show that there was uh, – their data showed when, – when you, if you go through this article, their data shows the same thing. Their data shows that the children that were able to delay gratification did better in the future. What they additionally did in the study, because they used a larger background is, uh, or a larger sort of set of children with more diverse backgrounds, was that they saw a correlation between some things like income and the ability to delay gratification. I mean, I, I, I just don't see in any way how this is just, you know, refuting, you know, affluence, not willpower, seems to be what's behind some kids' work. That is not what this, that, I mean, this, this, this headline, or I guess this subtitle, I mean, it's just completely false. That is a misinterpretation of these results. And, um, you know, once again, it's is you know what what does this drive? I mean, what you know, what might you know what ideology does this back up? What is this in line with? Does this sound like something you know when a when a Republican is really going to get into? Oh yeah, man, affluence is causing you know. If you're rich, you're going to be successful. If you grow up rich, you're going to be successful, right? That's uh, right. That's really going to resonate with the uh, <laughs> with the Republicans, right? No, this is a fucking. This is what the liberals, you know. This is this is what they want to hear, right? And I'm not even saying it's not. You know, affluence is, you know, connected to future success. I mean, according to this study. Um, but if you're able to develop the ability to delay gratification without the affluent background, then you have a better chance of future success in life. I mean, that's what the truth is, right? So anyway, I mean, it's, you know, it's another, it's, uh, it's another example of, this, you know, I mean, this is what I was talking about. I mean, and you know, uh, my friend that shared this is very, very intelligent man. And um, I, you know, I commented on his share with this and he seemed to, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, it's good, you know, good thinking, you know, whatever. And so I feel that it's possible that he didn't actually pick this up. Um you know, and to me, like that's—I mean, that—that's kind of where my uh, my sort of no hope name comes from. It's like, man, if that dude can't withstand this this kind of 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 like, I don't know, disinformation. You know, this little sleight of hand. I nobody can, man. I mean, you know, I, I'm telling you. I mean, this guy is like 90th percentile intelligent. Very smart guy, very thoughtful person, you know, one of my, uh, a really good friend of mine. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's one, you know, it's one article, it's one thing, but I, 
to me, I, I feel like I see it all the time. You know, I just see this stuff all the time shared. And, and I don't know, you know, maybe the problem is people aren't really reading, you know, closely anymore. Um, and they just share based on headlines, you know, which is, it's actually one of the reasons that I, I spend a lot of time in, or have in these, you know, early podcasts looking at headlines, because I honestly believe that's mostly what people see. They don't even, I don't even think they click. I mean, I want I wonder if you could do a study to see how many, uh, articles were shared based on the headline versus based on actual reading, right? So why rich kids are so good at the marshmallow test, right? I mean, right there, you know, if their little spidey senses are tingling because, you know, they it already backs up, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really get it, you know, um, but it's this, I think, I think, uh, you know, there's some guilt, you know, people feel guilty about, uh, you know, any sort of leg up they had in their life. Um, and, uh, you know, and this stuff's real, right? I mean, it, it does matter, you know, like, you know, I, you know, if I, if I grew up homeless in my earliest years, you know, it wouldn't, I might not be uh, as successful as I am today. And, um, you know, but then there's other things, too, that's like invisible, right? Like I grew up without a father. My my father died when I was four years old. And, uh, you know, I grew up around a ton of alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, and I myself battled with addiction. You know, nobody can see that, though, when I walk in a room, Right. And so, like, they don't, they, it doesn't really work well when you're trying to divide the population in half so you can keep them fighting and not paying attention to things like war, to things like the Federal Reserve, you know? Um, I think that, uh, to me, that, that seems like how, it, you know, how, how these things are... I mean, it's just, it's amazing how often these issues just get, just come down to like these 50-50 splits. You know, like abor abortion's a big one, you know? I mean, that's, my God, there's like no answer to that, I, you know? I mean, it's like one side is, just both sides are so like intensely in favor of it, you know? Um, but anyway, you know, just uh, just to wrap up on this sort of rich kids being good at not eating marshmallows, um, I would just like to remind you that there would be a lot more opportunities for poor children, um, a lot less violence in these poor communities if we just had a voluntary society, right? If we didn't have these, you know, big corporations with their giant lobbies crushing any competition, you know, that we, you know, didn't have this war on drugs, just pouring violence in drugs and destroying families, you know, mostly in these inner city poor areas, you know, and then we didn't have the Fed just constantly, continuously draining bit by bit the buying power out of every single 
regular worker, right? It's the wage earners that it hits. And that is the poor and the middle class. So, you know, like I, you know, I said, I, I'm a libertarian because I believe it's better for the middle class. Like, I don't think creating another, you know, more welfare programs or something is the solution here. It's actually, you know, letting them keep the money they have and, you know, getting, you know, just ending this insane war on drugs, which they're never going to do voluntarily, right? Like, you know, we would have to do it somehow. Um, and I tell you, I don't, I don't have many ideas. <laughs> I don't know. That The only thing that ever seems to ring true for me is like the slightest possibility is like the free state project. Um, that's sort of trying to create this critical mass. Maybe they can, you know, turn New Hampshire into, you know, despite, I mean, it's still got this, you know, big weight on its shoulders of the federal government and all its regulations and taxes. But if they can keep, you know, walking back, you know, what regulations and taxes and everything are, are in there, you know, maybe it would be this sort of shining example and, uh, you know, a, what a, a free society, you know, how, how, how great it really can be, you know, and that we really... You know, we don't need the, our overlords to protect us from ourselves. You know, that we're, we're good. So that's all I got. 50-minute episode. Uh, and, um, you know, keep your eyes open. Stay woke. Because they're sure as hell trying to lie to you, you know, every single step of the way. All right, guys. I will uh, talk to you soon. Stay well till then. <laughs>